But I just want to share some things that have been on my heart, and then we will pray and ask for God to do it in our hearts. Um, so a few weeks ago, I was feeling led to just personally cry out that God would strengthen me, that he would strengthen me in my mind, that I could, just like what we sang, see clearly what he is doing, that he would strengthen me in my, in my emotions, that I would feel what he feels toward me and toward others, supernatural compassion. And I was praying that he would strengthen my body for the work ahead, that, that, he, would, that he would literally physically strengthen me so that I could run and not grow weary and walk and not grow faint. And so I was praying for strength and, and I was sharing this with the executive team and, and Mike reminded me this is how we opened up this year, January 2nd, we, we felt this is a year that the Lord is going to strengthen our hands for the work that he has in front of us. And so, and Mike, Mike hit that last week, that we would be strong in the Lord, not strong in Marcus, not strong in the wisdom of the world, not strong in, the, in any other thing, that we would be strong in God. That is a good prayer to pray. Because when you pray, Lord, make me strong in you, the answer is he's going to make you humble and dependent on him so that his life can flow through you. Amen? Make me strong in you. It's the same cry that Jesus had in John 15. If you abide in me, then I'm going to abide in you. If you get close to me, if you talk to me, if you meditate on me, if you obey me, then I'm going to release my manifest presence in you, and I'm going to take up a greater residence in your emotions and in your mind. The Spirit of Christ is dwelling in our spirit. Amen? The day you got saved, the day you said, Lord, I am yours, I receive the gift of salvation, and I put my faith in you by grace, I am saved. When you did that, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your spirit. But how many people were just instantly transformed into the exact nature and character of Christ the next day? (laughs) We all go, I didn't do that, you know? And when we pray, I'm getting ahead of myself in in the scriptures we're going to go to, so this is the overview. When we pray, Lord, strengthen me, what he does, the spirit that dwells in our spirit, it affects our minds and it affects our emotions and it affects the the internal things inside of us, that we begin to be mature in the Lord and, and we go, oh, that's spiritual wisdom to go to the prayer meeting. That's spiritual wisdom to share Jesus at my workplace, and that is God strengthening you on the inside, allowing you to agree with him so that you could externally represent him on the earth, be his image bearer on the earth. Amen? And we grow in that. We grow in that. I'm still growing in that. I've walked with the Lord for 25 years, and, and I go, wow, like, there's still so much more I need to grow in. And he goes, yes, that's the point. That's the process. That's the relationship I want with you. So 
As Mike was calling us to strengthen ourselves in God, I was just looking, and, and, and hi, the Lord was highlighting to me the other places in the book of Ephesians that, that it talks about this strength, or it talks about this power toward us. And so let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll just start there, and we'll see where we go. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians chapter 1. I memorize a weird word. It's called gepic, and it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Gepic. And so when everyone says, you know, we're, you know turn to Galatians, I think gepic. Galatians comes first, and then Ephesians. So I'll give that to you, gepic. Yeah, I know. I'm weird. I like gepic better. They're saying God eats popcorn. That, yeah, yeah. I didn't grow up in that children's church. <laughs> Is that really how people memorize it? God eats popcorn? Okay, I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, now you have two. God eats popcorn and Gepic, and you will never forget this, okay? Ephesians chapter 1. Now, this is a prayer that I have prayed regularly in my life since I was 18 years old. I went to the International House of Prayer and Mike Bickle and our internship leader sat us down in the prayer room, gave us this list of what's called apostolic prayers. It's the, the prayers in the Bible that Jesus prayed, the prayers in the Bible that Paul prayed, the prayers in the Bible that Peter prayed. And he said, they said, start right here. Just start to pray for yourself the way Paul prayed for the churches that he planted. Start to pray for yourself and for others the way that Jesus prayed for you. And I tell you what, it was a key to my discipleship. I mean, I will literally say that. The apostolic prayers and actually praying them have been a key, an important key to my discipleship because I begin to ask according to the exact will of God. This is the will of God. If it's prayed in the Bible, you can pray it and go, God's gonna answer it. But what I was shocked as an 18-year-old I was shocked that I had never prayed this way before. That I was asking for things that weren't on God's heart. I was asking, well, we, we won't go too far with that analogy. And then I began to go, wow, I've never prayed that the Father of glory may give to me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. I've never prayed that I would have an enlightened heart to know the hope that I've been called to. I prayed a lot for external, like, Lord, I need more anointing, and I think that's great. But it's amazing how few of the apostolic prayers pray for more anointing. <laughs> they, they actually talk, bring you in to knowing the one who anoints you, and then you walk in relationship with him, and he pours out that power through you. So this is one of those prayers. I, I just, if you want to dive in. If you're like, I don't know where I should go in the Bible, you just go online, type apostolic prayers. There's about 30 different websites with the same list, <laughs> and you can go through them. But Paul prays here. He's praying for the church of Ephesus. These are new believers in God. They have come out of, of pagan lifestyles. They came out of lifestyles of debauchery and sensuality that was really upheld by the culture. I mean, it was, it was 
really looked you know, well upon if you went to the temple, got drunk, and then had sexual immorality with temple prostitutes. That was looked well upon, okay? And they're being pulled out of these lifestyles, and they're being pulled into Christ. So as Paul prays for these new believers, there's something about the way Paul discipled new believers that we can, we can get his heart, we can get what he was longing for, what he was, what he was pr- crying out to God on their behalf that they would enter into, okay? Same thing when Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He's, he's showing them, he's giving them, this is how you need to posture your heart before heaven. Call him a father. Think about his kingdom. Ask for his will to be done. Know that his, your daily bread comes from him. I mean, right there is a powerful teaching, right? And as we engage with God in this place of prayer, and as Paul taught them and then prayed for them, engaged with God in this place of prayer, they begin to grow in maturity in God. So, it says in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, right there, that's one of my favorite names for the Father, right? He's the Father of what? Glory. You know what he wants to give to his church? Glory. He's the Father that pours out the Spirit, and he does it richly. He gives his Spirit to his Son, and he says, Son, pour out the Spirit on your brothers and sisters, on my sons and daughters, do it richly. And it's the pleasure of the Son to pour it out. It's the pleasure of the Spirit to be poured out. And we just got to ask for it, right? That the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge, and I'm just going to say, of Jesus, okay? Now, some translations say, in the knowledge, and they think it's the Father and the knowledge of Jesus. We're just asking for wisdom and revelation, right? But I often ask, Father of glory, Would you give me your spirit so that I could encounter the heart of your son? This knowledge is not just a mental ascent. There are many people in third world countries with no education whatsoever that are walking in a rich, deep knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they ask for it. And there's many And this is just crazy to me. There are professors of theology that don't even believe that Jesus is the real Son of God. I don't know why you would give yourself to that type of academic ascent. You know what I mean? Like, just go study something else, you know? But right now, I mean, like in liberal seminaries, there are professors of theology that don't believe that Jesus is the actual incarnate Son of God but they have a mental ascent. They're brilliant. They know Greek, they know Hebrew, but they're not asking this, Father of glory, I need your spirit to know your son. Guys, this is the key. Now, don't get me wrong. I think you get the the guy who knows Greek, who knows Hebrew, and is doing this well. That's a powerful combination, amen? So I'm I'm not saying don't use your mind in God. I was kind of brought up with that sentiment, like don't use your mind to God, don't, you, you just, you have the spirit. No, spirit wants to touch your mind and your heart and he wants all of it together, amen? But this is where we start. 
that the God of our Lord Christ Jesus, the Father, and I would just add, who wants to pour out that glory that he possesses, would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you could encounter Jesus. Now that word knowledge, I like to use the word experience instead of knowledge. And in the Greek, it actually works. This isn't just a mental ascent. It's a personal encounter, okay? Father of glory, unaided by your spirit, I can't encounter Jesus. So I confess my poverty of spirit. I step into humility, and I cry out that you would do what I can't do. And Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me. And guys, this is the posture of a disciple. I have not gotten away from this. And you can't. You don't start walking in your own strength. You get stronger in the strength of the Lord and in the glory of His might. You don't get stronger in your own strength. You don't get stronger in your own wisdom. So this prayer is precious and is so needed in the body of Christ. We need to return to this. Leadership teams need to return to sitting around a table and go, Holy Spirit, reveal to us who Jesus is and how he wants us to obey him in this season. Man, if church leadership teams would do that more often, I guarantee they would be walking in greater power, in greater revelation. Now, I'm not saying that they don't. We, even us here at The Rock, we still have to work on this. We, but we've cultivated something in our leadership team where we, we turn to the Lord first and we ask you, him for his mind first. And say, Lord, confirm things. Lord, do things. Lord, we don't want to waste our time. We want to be about your business. Let's keep going. Verse 18, it says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. So when the Holy Spirit touches you, and begins to reveal Jesus, this begins to happen in your heart. You begin to walk with an enlightened heart. Meaning, the way I like to think about this is, you begin to care about the things God cares about. You begin to value the things God values. What Mike's opened up the service with, we were once darkness, but now we are what? Light in the Lord. And the gift of us being light in the Lord is we need to walk as children of light Asking God to pour out his spirit to reveal Jesus, and then this starts to happen. Amen? How many of you have experienced having an enlightened heart where the Lord just touches your mind and your emotions, and you begin to go, oh, I, I feel something strong on that verse, right? And then you begin to ask for it, and then you begin to obey the Lord because you have an enlightened heart. Now, we are supposed to have an enlightened heart to experience three things. Say, experience. Experience. We are to know or experience what is the hope to which he has called you. Oh, guys, this is key. I was talking with someone the other day, and they were talking about what's the point and what's, and I just don't get what it's all about. And I was just grieved because I was like, oh, you're not experiencing the hope to which you have been called to. You know what that hope is? It's the hope of glory. It's Christ's name inside of you. Christ inside of you. The hope of experiencing future glory. No matter where you are in life, 
The Lord wants to release hope in your heart that you would long and reach and pray for an encounter with future glory. And guys, that goes on and on and on. Even when the Lord returns and he begins to reign on the earth for a thousand years, we will reach for future glory. We will be transformed from glory to glory. There's real hope. And not even just in the age to come, in circumstances now. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, it's beautiful. He goes, you've been justified by faith. You stand in grace and you rejoice in what? In the hope of glory. But not only when things are great, you also do this in your sufferings. Because sufferings produces character and character produces endurance. And endurance actually causes you to look for that hope now. And the idea, he just leaves out glory. The endurance causes you to lean into the hope of glory. Guys, no matter what situation you're going on, that's going on in your, in your life right now, if you ask the God for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, you'll begin to walk with an enlightened heart, and you'll begin to see that situation, and you'll have hope again that God is going to break in with glory. That is a gift that no one else walks in in the earth but the church. That is a treasure that we reach for the hope of glory. Amen? So he wants us to experience that. That's not just a mental ascent. He wants you to experience, as 1 Peter says, living hope. I think it's 1 Peter chapter 1. A living hope. It's alive. Second, he wants you to experience the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He wants you to experience how precious you are to him. Is that not wonderful? Like, that's not a selfish prayer. God wants that for me. I love that. Man, and when I encounter this just a little bit, it goes a long way. It frees me from comparison in my heart to others because I'm treasured. I'm loved. God adores me. I'm his favorite. That's the way that Mike Bickle used to preach it. He would go, you're his favorite. But so am I, and so are you, and so am I. And it frees us from worry and anxiety. But guys, it's birthed by the Spirit. It's birthed when you say, Holy Spirit, show me how precious I am to Jesus. And then you see in the Word that He died for you. And then you see in the Word that He rose again. You see in the Word that He wants to fill you with the Spirit. You see in the Word that you've been chosen, that you've been accepted, that you've been adopted. And it just begins to change your mindset of who you are. I'm a son of God. I'm a diamond in his treasure chest. I'm a bride. But that doesn't happen internally without asking the Holy Spirit to show us that. But if you pray that, I guarantee you, not, you don't pray it at 10.01 and then it's answered at 10.02, okay? But you start praying this and it's answered a few days from now when you're reading the word and you go, oh my goodness, I saw something. Or when someone has a word of the Lord, a word of prophecy, and it speaks that same thing to your heart. I'll be praying this, and then Tracy will come up to me and be like, man, God just has a word for you, and da-da-da-da. I'm loved by God. So he answers through the word. He answers through the body of Christ in many different ways. He'll answer through a dream or through a vision. 
We can't make God answer the way we want him to answer, but we can definitely position ourselves for the answer. Man, when you position yourself like this, it just is, it's good. Now, I wanna, before we go into the power, and that's where we're going to camp out just for a minute. I just want to, this, I've had probably maybe six to 10, like, major encounters with the Holy Spirit in my life. I've been walking with the Lord for 25 years, and I've had six to 10, like, major, on the floor, you know, power of God, or I wake up from, a, from an incredible dream, or angelic presence, or whatever. I've only had six to 10 of those. Most of my discipleship had, comes in small increments. I would say this, most of my transformation in God comes from just doing this in small ways every day. Okay? It's that, it's like the, the clouds are over you, and it's just that the cloud parts a little bit, and that little bit of light gets through. And you bet, but that little bit of light is a lot when it's really cloudy, right? And then the next day, you do it, and just, it cracks a little bit more, and a little bit more light breaks through until you are walking as what you've been purchased to be as a child of light. It's what you've, he's purchased this for us, but the, the transformation is on us to ask him for it. Amen? That's why I, I, I sign back up for the prayer meetings often, because I want to posture myself for this spirit of revelation to enlighten my heart so that I can have eyes to see what he sees. Amen? But here's the great thing. This is, this is I mean, that's all great, but this is what the Lord was highlighting, and I think he's highlighting to our church. Verse 19. You just keep this up there. I'll, I'll add. So the Father of glory wants to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that would produce an enlightened heart that we could experience this, that we could experience, that we could know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Say, his power toward me. His power toward you. The Lord wants us to experience power. This is, I I just love this. And what is that power? It's according to the working of his great, and I'm going to use the word strength instead of might. Because when it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might or in the strength of his might, it comes from here. Well, how do I get strong in the Lord? I ask him, Lord, I want to experience your power toward me. And this power flows from the working of his great strength. Now you go, okay, well, what's, what's that working of his great strength? Let's go on. And many of you know this passage. This isn't new information. Just stirring your heart for, it's that way of like stirring, it's godly reminders, right? <laughs> we stir you up by way of reminders, Peter said. Let's go to the next verse. It's the same power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. How many of when you read how many of you read that for the first time like years ago and you went, "What?" I actually want to see some hands. How many of you like have like kind of like I I've, I've kind of this has fascinated me before. That's good. That's good. 
For those that haven't, you're about to get rocked. God wants you to intimately experience power. This power is immeasurable. You will never plunge the depths of it. It's released according to his strength. And what is it? It's the same thing that raised Christ from the dead. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the same power that raised, that guys, what if you were able to be in that tomb and witness power raising Christ from the dead, not just making him alive again, giving him the first fruits of the resurrection, the resurrected body? Yeah, that, you're like, that'd be great, right? Same power you have access to. The exact same power. Paul isn't mincing his words here. He's not like trying to hype you up. He goes, it's real. It is the power of the resurrection. And I don't think this one gets talked enough. It's also the power of the ascension. He's talking to them, and he starts rising, and a cloud comes, and he sits on the cloud, and it takes him to heaven, and they're like, oh my Lord, in a good way. (laughs) Oh Jesus, I have to say, they bowed and worshiped. The power of the ascension, but not only the power that got him to heaven, the power that seated him at the right hand of God. His unique place as creator, his unique place as the son, his unique place as the power, his unique place as the messenger, that power is available toward us. And we need, guys, we need aid, we need help from the Holy Spirit to experience it. Now what I love, let's just do the parallel, let's go to Ephesians 2, Verse 6, actually let's start in verse 4, and let's just, he uses the same language concerning our being raised up from death to life into salvation. It says this, but God being rich in mercy, does someone have their phone on? But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, next verse, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, Christ was in the grave, we were dead in trespasses. What happened? Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Next verse. Here it is. And raised us up with him. And what? Seated us with him in heavenly places. That parallel is unbelievable. So the power that was released in your heart When you gave your life to the Lord, it was that type of power. And the Lord wants us to experience it over and over and over and over again. Let's go back to chapter one. Let's go to verse. Let's go to verse 20 and then we'll go back to 21 and we'll go forward to 21. So just, again, to get context, Ephesians 1, 20. It's the same power he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Verse 22. Far, or verse, I'm sorry, verse 21. You were ahead of me. <laughs> verse 21. Jamie, I love you. Thank you. Like, Marcus, be clear. All right. He, he, he ascended on high 
seated in heavenly places. But here's the part that we, we don't connect a lot. Christ is seated far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Okay, so here's the connection. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. He's far above all rule, all power, all authority, all dominion. What's the connection? You're far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. Now, we don't feel far above all the time. And the devil wants to trick us that we're not far above, and he wants to to lie to us, and he wants to intimidate us. But guys, this is the truth. We have authority. We have power. And the crazy thing is, as Paul says, I want you to experience the far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, power. That's the power that's toward us. Now that is crazy to me. And that means when I see things in my city, things in my state, things in my family, things in my region, I have to respond with this revelation. Oh no, you don't, powers of darkness. Do you know what was purchased for me at the cross? That I could walk with an open heaven and you would have no rule and no authority in my life. That's it. When we experience darkness, so much of the time the church cowers back and we don't know what to do. Guys, we have to press into this in this season. I tell you what, this will fuel your revelation of prayer and this will fuel you going to the corporate prayer meeting. When you know that when you gather with saints, you have authority to sit with Christ in heavenly presence and look down and pray those things that are on his heart and see them break into the earth. Guys, when he tore that veil, he gave us access to this type of authority. And I just say, apply it everywhere. When you see darkness, ask for light everywhere. Now let's go back to that verse. It's interesting because he says it's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, but it's also above every name that is named. We see, and this is my interpretation, don't, other people might say this different, but this is what the Lord has shown me over the years. That these these rulers, authorities, and powers, and, and dominions, they're actually evil, okay? They are Chapter 6 makes it very clear that they're evil. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with these things. And it says, an evil spirit. It's like, it's dark, okay? So that we can stand against them in the evil day. But what the Lord has shown me over the years is that these rulers, authorities, and powers, they take names on the earth, okay? And there's real, actually, demonic power that people access when they give them a name and they cry out to them in a name. It's something that we have to grapple with. I mean, it was real demonic power when they would go before Baal in the Bible. And in in biblical times, these rulers and authorities, they took the name of Baal or the name of Nebo in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, they took the name of Zeus and they took the name of Artemis. You know, in Ephesians, the temple of Artemis. And they were said, great is Artemis of the Ephesians in Acts 19. Or great is Diana of the Ephesians. Diana and Artemis are the same goddess. They would take a name. In our day, 
thousands of years later, it's Islam. It's Buddha. It's Hinduism. It's Taoism. It's Confucianism. It's Zoroastrianism. <laughs> That's my funnest one to say. <clears throat> it's these false world religions. But guys, Matthew 28 is still real. All authority. I don't care what name they take on this earth. All authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. And I would just add for all time because it says not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He has the name that is above all names that at his name, every knee will bow. And at his name, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then he says, go into the nations. There's not a nation you can walk in that has a God that has a name that is greater than the name of Jesus. So we take authority over those rulers, we take authority over those names, and we say no. Bow to the authority of Jesus. Bow to the name of Jesus. Bow to the position of Jesus, seated in the heavenly places. Now guys, this isn't comforting, but Paul wrote this one in prison, <laughs> okay? Sitting in a jail cell, going, nope, I'm in a jail cell, but my jailers don't have authority over me. The Roman government isn't the final say. Jesus is the final say. I mean, think of the maturity that it took in that man. Though I'm not experiencing it in fullness, I know this is reality. Is that not awesome? I say that to say this doesn't free us from suffering. Philippians 3 says this, I want to know Christ and the power of his and in the fellowship of his right there. You got to take both sides of the coin, <laughs> okay? This isn't we conquer every battle in the natural, but guys, when you obey the voice of the Lord and you're seated in a prison cell in Acts 16 and you begin to Let's worship him, because he has the name above every name. And a jail cell gets shaken, and literal chains fall off. Wow! That's the power that Paul experienced. He said, it's toward me. I experienced it, and I want you to experience it. Amen? I don't know why I keep snapping, but it just feels good at times, you know? I can't clap. <laughs> So not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So we can rest assured, millions of years from now, let's just say 600 years from now, Jesus has returned, we're, we've been in the resurrection 550 years, that, that's not me prophesying, he's coming back in 50 years. But 600 years into the resurrection, we can have assurance that nothing is coming from the far reaches of the universe that has greater authority than Jesus. For you Marvel fans, no Thanos is coming out. I'm just kidding, I know. Sorry, let's not go there. But I appreciate those that laughed. For all time, for all eternity, he is preeminent. He is the king. And when our rulers try to burst the bonds of how he says to live life, 
the biblical commandments of marriage, the biblical commandments of the sanctity of sex, the biblical commandments of who we are in God. Oh, the Lord says, no, I've already set my king on my holy hill. Guys, we have authority. We have power. I just want to call you to this. Lou Engel, he's going to gather the Church of Colorado, and we're going to help him a little bit. On October 8th, we're going to gather, can I, can I announce this, in World Arena in Colorado Springs, and we're hoping for eight to 10,000 believers, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to celebrate the body and blood of Jesus, and you know what's going to happen? The veil's going to rip again. The veil over our state. And the Lord's going to swallow up death. And the Lord's going to rend the veil so that they can see him. Guys, I want to encourage you. Be at that meeting. Have a voice on that day. Crying out to heaven. Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Celebrating the body and blood. Knowing that I don't care what our governor signs into legislation. He does not have the name that is above Jesus's. Guys, what if we gather and in intercession, on our knees, in fasting, we change the course of Colorado for our next generation? Hudson needs the course of Colorado changed so that the will of God can be accomplished and he can step in to his calling. Harvest needs the course of Colorado changed. Those are my children. So that they can step in to the will of God and an open heaven and they can see the harvest come in. What if we were that labor force and we rose up in faith, we're seated above these things. And we're going to ask the one who we're seated by to change everything. What if he removed iniquity from Colorado in a day? He's the God who does it. He has Sudden times and sudden seasons to where it, everything changes. But guys, he doesn't do it in a vacuum. He does it when his people have faith and they show up and they gather and they ask. That assembly around his throne, we're not in isolation in the age to come. We are together before his throne. He wants some of those solemn assemblies, gatherings now to shift the course of states and nations and regions. And I just want to encourage you, let's do that on October 8th. But I also want to encourage you, you might want to sign up for the Billion Soul Harvest Conference or some of these things that are happening. You might just want to get in the game. I want to encourage you, if the Billion Soul Harvest doesn't bring joy to your heart, talk to the Lord about that. Because I really think when you hear that phrase, it really should. Now, that's not condemnation. That's going... He's the Lord of the harvest. He loves these people, and he has compassion for them. Just ask him, Lord of the harvest, like we're talking about souls and harvest and billion souls. Fill my heart with the way you think about that. Fill my heart with your heart for that. All right, the last thing. This is beautiful. Verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
How does the Lord fill all in all? How does the Lord bring fullness of his manifestation into the earth? It's through what? His body. He's overall. He's the head. We're the body. So guess what is under our feet? Authorities, powers, evil principalities. It's under our feet. I love what Tracy said. He goes, that, those gospel shoes of peace that we're given, when we walk into situations, we bring peace. These authorities and rulers, they have to stop harassing people because we bring the peace of God with us. What if we just took that a little bit more seriously this week in the workplace, this week in Starbucks, this week in the grocery store, this week in the gym? What if we just took that a little bit more seriously and said, all right, I'm manifesting the peace of God and people are going to come to know Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Come up and do whatever you want. Yeah. Do you have anything? Yeah. I'll just pray. Lord, we thank you for the power that has toward us, the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, and I thank you that you want us to experience it and so, Lord, right now, we just do what you, what you asked us to do. We ask that we would experience the greatness of your power toward us. The power that you purchased at the cross when that veil was ripped in two. Give us the experiences of that power, of that grace, of that oil flowing from your throne, of that fire flowing from your throne, those rivers flowing from your throne. Lord, we want to experience that. And so, Lord, we, we cry out for strength. Strengthen our hands. Make us strong in the Lord so we can stand against all evil in the evil day. We say, just like what we said last week, put on us your breastplate of, of righteousness, your belt of truth, your gospel shoes that you shod your own foot in. Put in our mouths the sword of the Spirit. Give us your shield of faith. The Lord is a shield to his people. He bestows favor. Lord, we ask you for this in Jesus' name. just pray one other thing here just as we're asking for this power just in a beautiful way seeing the connection to the Beatitudes because it's in his strength so just put your hands back out and I just I love what Marcus just released today I feel like we just need to grab hold of that press into those scriptures go back let the Lord minister to your heart in this but the power and the strength that we have it comes out of this place of, of weakness in ourselves. And I just saw that the Lord, out of his graciousness, out of his mercy, he doesn't release the fullness of his power to us. It's, it's a process. And the reason is, is because if we, if he were, we would step into a place of pride. It, it, would, actually, it would actually take us down. 
So there's a, there's a place of authority that he's teaching us to step into that we're walking into. And we're like, well, why, why don't I have this full authority? Why, when I pray for somebody, aren't they just healed every time? I believe it's because of this place of, of pride in our own hearts that the Lord is working on. That he says, out of his grace, that he goes, no, I'm, I'm teaching my people to walk in my ways. So Lord, I ask that just as, as we get this revelation, Lord, that the, the, the ones who are blessed, the ones who walk in your ways, the ones who walk in the power and the authority and the fullness of Christ, it is those who are poor in spirit. It's the mourners. It's, it's the, those that are meek. It's those that are hungry and thirsty. It's those that are merciful. It's those that are pure in heart. It's the peacemakers. It's those that go through the persecution trials and struggles and press into you. Lord, I thank you that it's in that place that we walk in greater authority, greater understanding, greater power. So Lord, I pray for also for that hunger and that thirst. Lord, keep us in a place of humility that it's never us, it's always you. We say we never touch the glory, never touch the power of God. You wouldn't, it's, it's awesome when you like plug something in and it works powerfully, but if you touch that power, it's not as fun. It's great to see it, but don't touch it because you get zapped. <laughs> there's a surrender and there's an abiding and intimacy that we're to walk in. So Lord, I thank you. Thank you for today. I thank you that, uh, wow, you moved in so many ways, touched hearts in so many different ways. Lord, I pray that as we go from this place today, that we do go in greater power. We do go in greater authority, but we go in greater humility. We go in a greater intimacy with you. We walk closer to you to hear your voice, to see what you see. I pray a blessing over every person. May we go share your truth, share your gospel today. That's what the power is for. May we reveal your goodness, your love to others. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Love you. All right. Yeah. Amen.